folks, welcome to Thanks for the Knowledge. This is Fanbyte's weekly news show running up the headlines in games and entertainment in one handy podcast. I'm your host, head of Fanbyte Media, John Warren. How's it going? We're, we're kind of rounding the bases on summer. Fall is around the corner. There's been a lot going on in the games industry. Um, there's been a lot going on in the entertainment industry. And in fact, we're going to start with that. I had a very very beefy conversation with our very own Mike Williams about HBO Max, about Discovery, about Warner Brothers Discovery, about all the stuff that's going on with cartoons and Batgirl, you name it. We covered it in the segment. It's a great interview and let's go to it right now. the biggest stories over the past month two months six months year it feels like is the overall uh aftermath of the warner brothers discovery merger and its ceo and all of the wild stuff that he's doing and i i couldn't think of a better person to talk to you than our very own mike williams hello mike hello hello how's everyone doing this fine day i mean i'm doing better than you know batgirl I'm doing better than Scoob 2, Holiday Hall. Scoob 2. I'm doing better than OKKO. Um, yeah. How are you doing? I'm do, I'm doing also better than than those. I mean, <laughs> technically, maybe the production people behind those got paid more than me, but their work <laughs> isn't coming out, so I'm not sure that's a win. <laughs> I know. It's I know it's terrible. But so I I want to I want to get into some of the stuff that's been happening more recently that I think is just one of the strangest stories in media and entertainment in a very long time. But I want to set the table first and talk about the overall merger, because I suspect that a lot of folks that might be going on to HBO max and discovering that some of their favorite content is gone, may not be understanding the overall merger between Warner brothers and discovery, why it's happened this way, the players involved, um, could you kind of give us some background on that? Go into as much detail as you really want to, but yeah, I, w- I would love to kind of get a sense of that before we get into some of the more recent activity. Okay. So we'll start back at the beginning. Warner brothers is one of probably the, the oldest studios. Uh, it's one of the big ones that's been in Hollywood for a long time. I think they started in like 1923, I want to say. Yeah. Um, with uh, Wacko, Yakko, and Dot. <laughs> and the Warner Sister. How could I forget Dot? <laughs> um, but uh, probably since the late 80s, it's been sort of bouncing around um, yeah. a couple of places. It merged with Time and uh, I think like right at the end of the 80s. Um, that didn't take. Mm-hmm. Uh, AT&T acquired it, uh, thinking uh, in AT&T's mind, uh, it, it would own the content and distribution pipeline from end to end. So mm-hmm. it would wake, make the movies, TV shows, and everything. And then uh, at the end of it, it would you know distribute that on its cable boxes, on its uh, phones, all of that stuff. Um, so AT&T renamed it Warner Media. Uh, and try that out. Uh, that was in 2018. And then uh, they decided uh, that they didn't care about any of that. Uh, <laughs> AT&T sort of realized, it's like, we're a telecom company. 
we're already making money hand over a foot. Uh-huh. Why are we doing like, like telecom is, is not super risky right. unless infrastructure is changing. So like AT&T is flush. Yeah. Whereas movies and television are very risky. Like you throw a lot of money into stuff, mm-hmm. hoping it's going to work and not everything hits. So you can spend a hundred million dollars on a movie and not get anything in return. Right. And so after a few years of trying this out uh, and most notably uh, launching HBO Max, their big streamer, which cost a lot of money, like a lot of money to establish your own streaming service. It costs a ton of money. They honestly just looked at it and decided, why are we doing this? Yeah. It's not even worth our time. Um, and so they spun Warner Media off, and then that got merged with Discovery, mm-hmm. uh, another network that a lot of people I don't think realized how profitable and popular Discovery is. That's a, a wonderful point that I was going to bring up and ask you about because I think the layperson would look at Warner Brothers from a branding perspective and assume that it is in a more advantageous and profitable position than discovery, but that is not true. Correct. Because uh, discovery runs cheap, but popular. They make a ton of cheap content that people love. And and that actually got cheaper uh, during the pandemic, actually. So Zaslav, uh, one of the, before all of this brouhaha started up, one of the, interviews he had i want to say it was with bloomberg he was like i mean the pandemic is great now that all my you know reality stars are shooting all of their stuff at home mm-hmm. uh yep. that's it, it, and he couched it in that's more comfortable for them that's better and it feels <laughs> homier and more authentic uh but he also acknowledged it's cheaper uh right. to do it that way so like he was seeing the same uh, viewer numbers, mm-hmm. meaning advertisement, but he was paying less in overall production. So the so margins that, were just increasing during right. during a, a time of extreme uh, economic uncertainty. Correct, and and he also you know had Discovery Plus, which uh, again it's not like appointment premium TV. But Discovery Plus is like HGTV, Food Network, like you put it on in the background, like TLC, like you put stuff on the background and you just watch it. Like you put on House Hunters and you can just go. Yeah, they they have channels. Um, So, of course, you can find all the stuff on demand on Discovery Plus, but they also have just channels where they just acknowledge like. We know what you want. You want to you want to turn on House Hunters and basically zone the fuck out for six hours or like, oh, you're about to do chores like turn on 90 Day Fiance channel. That's fine. Like we will show you these bizarre people and their navigation of of (laughs) America's horrible immigration system. And uh, you'll just zone out. And that's what they do. In fact, they made a presentation not that long ago, kind of. You know, showcasing the differences between US, you know, HBO Max and Discovery programming, and they they even label it as lean uh, lean back programming, meaning like you don't need to pay attention to it, you don't even need to really, you just let it wash over you, and that's really their whole model. 
Yeah, so uh, merger time comes, and uh, Warner Brothers, the Warner Media segment was run by Jason Kilar, yeah, um, who was very streaming first, yes. and so the HBO Max. I'm not going to say boondoggle um, because it was a very popular service because it had everything Warner right. Media on it. Yeah, but he was spending a lot. Yeah. And he also did what was called, I believe it was Project Popcorn, mm-hmm. where during the pandemic he was sending their movies day and date uh, to streaming. Yes. So, like, the movie would premiere in theaters, but also go straight to streaming. Yeah. Um, that that, was that a, ultimately ended up being very unpopular with other executives around him. That, that's yes, correct, right? It, yeah. it, was, it was very unpopular also with creatives because a lot of yeah. creatives want to want their movies to be on the big screen. Like that is their, right. Their drive, their goal. It's also very profitable. Um, it's also where they get some of their back end points, right? right. Like, you know, it's, it, if they, it's kind of what happened with Scarlett Johansson with, uh, it, it's exactly what happened with, with Disney plus. Yeah. Yes. Uh, in that, uh, a lot of movies have deals for if movie makes, uh, X amount, uh, more than, you know, this number, uh, you get a percentage of that. Uh, for example, Tom Cruise, uh, apparently his back-end deal for Top Gun Maverick uh-huh. uh, is dirty, dirty money. Uh-huh. And yeah. <laughs> and now that that's at like $1.4 worldwide, he yeah. is just, I mean, he was already raking in the coals. But like a good back-end, uh, Channing Tatum apparently like, made a lot of money on Magic Mike. Like he, right partially self-funded it and that's where a lot of his like you know he can just live do whatever he wants like yeah he doesn't need to be in any movies that he doesn't care about yep so a good back end really helps yeah uh the problem is is in the era of netflix and again a lot of people don't realize this is sort of netflix's I'm not going to say fault, fault. <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> but netflix set up all these business models where they're like, I we will pay you on the front end a lot, and we right. will not bother you uh, about whatever you're making. Yeah. But we own it forever, and there is no back end. Right. And uh, their deals were we we would pay you money for uh, subsequent seasons. I believe the cap for there is three seasons. Yeah. Uh, that's I don't know if anyone's actually outright said that, but. Uh, which is why a lot of people believe that Netflix tends to cancel stuff at three seasons, right. unless it's really popular. Um, but anyways, everyone looked at Netflix's business model and then they were like, why can't we get in on that? Yeah. Like, why can't we just pay the talent once and own the stuff forever and not have to worry about the back end? And so uh, that's where we are. That's part of why streaming was such a big push for everybody. But, it costs a lot in terms right. of content spending. You have to spend a lot to make new original shows, new original uh, movies, things to bring people in to subscribe to your service instead of just watching Netflix. Right. And uh, again, AT&T looked at that after trying it for a while and they were like, I, I, I do not care. Mm-hmm. Um, so they spun off Warner Media. 
and Discovery merged with it. So this was a merger, not an acquisition. But essentially it was an acquisition because Zaslav, David Zaslav, who is the boss of Discovery, took it over. And so he became the CEO. And early on this year, a lot of the Warner executives just left. Like they went to other places and it was clear that Zaslav was setting up his own internal corporate structure. Right. Which brings us to the Batgirl thing uh, because the problem was, is as we've already said, Discovery runs cheap. Yes. And Zaslav is a hard, hard business guy. Yeah. And the merged company has, I want to say, $53 billion. It's above $50 billion in debt. Right. And it was spending a lot on content. Yep. So Zaslav looks at this and says, where can we cut? We got to save some money. Right. So he has uh, uh, his CFO, uh, I I will say Gunner W. I do not want to try to pronounce his last name. But anyways, it seemingly they looked and they were like, okay, what projects do we have in the pipeline that aren't going to make any sort of return on investment? Right. And also, uh, and this is more legally, this is not on my side, uh, apparently during the merger period, you're allowed to write down certain operations, content, et cetera, uh, for tax purposes. Yes. So that's what happened with Batgirl and Scoob and all of these other shows that are going away is that Zaslav and his financial team are looking to see what stuff isn't really performing on HBO Max. Right. And removing that entirely and that's twofold one because they can do the tax write down but two in the case of some of these uh, animated shows apparently uh they also don't have to pay residuals right so so this is important because they want to save about three three billion with a b in in costs and a lot of that stuff is tax write off which means that they can basically just say uh hey this is uh this, this, this is basically cost and liability that is pure loss. We can basically write it off. It basically made no money for it for us. We have no intention of making money on this stuff ever again. The IRS can basically say, okay, that's cool. We'll basically take that off of your books and uh, reduce your tax liability. It's like, okay, that's that's where some of that savings come from. The, the problem and what, what makes this, I think, very different than anything we've really seen before is when we say that Batgirl is disappearing, we mean that this movie, this film, was done. It was in the can, essentially. And not only is it not going to come out, but there are even rumors. I don't even know if this is I don't know if this has been confirmed, but rumors that they may actually destroy the film. Right. That and and uh, as you point out in the the tax purposes stuff, right? It it, it it's very key that they don't make any money at ever. all yes. ever on this for right. the write-off purposes, which is why the rumor is that they're just going to outright destroy it. 
Um, apparently, and, and the directors, one of the two directors, uh, they are the directors who also uh, worked on Bad Boys for Life yeah. and certain episodes of Moon Knight. Um, they apparently were at a wedding when this news dropped and they tried to access like the Google drive or whatever, like the online drive that had the footage uh-huh. and it was just gone. And it was gone. But apparently Warner brothers has been showing it, uh, as what they call, uh, people are calling them funeral screenings. THR had a story on this. Ugh. Uh, they've been showing it to certain cast and crew. Ugh. Um, it's, like it's it doesn't have all of its effects or stuff like it yeah it was not 100% done but it was like 90% done so they've been showing it off just before they they throw it in a vault uh or they shred it yeah because uh, again the the point of all of this is is that 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 stuff can't be uh at least in the case of Batgirl and Scoob uh, that can't be anywhere that's going to make any money whatsoever. Right. Um, in the case I, of some of these other ones, yeah, it does seem closer to the residuals thing. It has to be, right? Because I mean, they're still out on uh, premium video and demand services mm-hmm. and stuff. Like you can still uh, like rent or buy some of them in digital. Yeah. I, I guess what confuses me about all the animation, I mean, the, the, we're talking about tens of shows that have just been removed from the service and probably will never, not only removed from the HBO Max service, but also scrubbed from the internet in certain ways. Like a lot of Cartoon Network shows, evidence that they ever existed in official channels are basically gone. Like YouTube channels, like they've yeah, taken the, a lot the of- Yeah, like, the notable one being uh, Infinity, Infinity Train. Train, yeah. Uh, which- uh, started with, I believe, shorts on their YouTube channel. Right. Those are gone. Any commercials were gone. They scrubbed it from the website. Like, they have essentially mine-holed the series. Right. Yeah. Um, and and I guess what I don't understand about the residuals thing, and I mean, obviously, I would need to see contracts to understand this, but, like, I, residuals, in my mind, are back-end points that have to do with revenue sharing on things post- release right so like presumably any single time h uh, warner brothers discovery would need to pay out a residual it's because they've made some sort of income on the property right so why would this be the strategy to say well okay presumably we're making revenue on this we just don't want to pay out a fraction of it to the people that made the show that's not connecting in my mind with a sound strategy to me, I I do somewhat agree. I like in terms of I don't want to pay out residuals. Uh, it again, that's what the creators have said. Right. Um, Infinity Train and some of those other shows again are still available on those premium channels. So like you can go on uh, YouTube's paid thing. Mm-hmm. or Voodoo or Google Play or whatever, or iTunes. And, and maybe that's more straightforward. Maybe that's just, okay, the, we, we pay out 50% residuals. I'm just throwing out numbers. It, when you buy an Infinity Train season for 20 bucks, again, I'm throwing out numbers. Right. You, you know, they, they, they send 10 bucks of that to the creators. They pocket 10. 
that that transaction seems to make more sense. But I guess maybe what we're seeing is that maybe there are residuals on the back end in the sense of streaming um, numbers, streaming, where it's right. like if you got if your streaming numbers pop off, then maybe Warner Brothers Discovery is actually basically out of is essentially out of pocket on those. So maybe that's maybe that's the only reason. I mean, it has to be the only reason. Yeah, and 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 a lot of these, like uh, there was a Seth Rogen movie out there, like the the Pickle Chronicles or something, yes. and that also got removed. Right, and a lot of those. Uh, my guess is they probably like have a above or below the line. Like, yeah, show me the movies and shows that are performing below this line. Right, let's just yep. cut those now. They, they, yeah, they've probably created some sort of break-even line, and they're just making purely cold cuts. Right. Uh, and and again, they're they're trying to find three billion in cost savings. And when this was announced, <laughs> uh, the three billion, there were some analysts that were like, "I mean, three billion seems a little low. I feel like we can get up to like four or five. Sure. Um, because that's what analysts do." <laughs> but the memory holding of all of this stuff is, is, is mostly. And so like Keelar screwed up with creatives with project popcorn by just right. moving their movies uh, to streaming in most cases without ever informing the people that this was happening. Yeah. Um, so like in the case of wonder woman, they had to go to Patty Jenkins and Gal Gadot and give them more money yeah. to sort of make good for putting Wonder Woman straight on streaming. Right. Um, I wish they had somehow made good for that movie being fucking terrible. But anyway. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that was just... Uh, ooh. Uh, Wonder um, Woman 1984 is a bad film, folks. It's, it's really I don't bad. Know if you, I, don't know if, I don't know if y'all have seen it at home. It's not good, though. It's it's a bizarrely bad film. It's very bar, yeah. It's very strange. Um, so yeah, and I, 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 what's happening here is also in that same creative vein, like right, like creatives. You can't necessarily, unless you really are at the upper echelon, right, of Warner content creation, trust that they'll continue to put like a lot of this stuff is going away because it's a special period during the merger, but then yeah. there's stuff that's just going away because they just don't want it on the platform anymore. Right. And you can't like in some of these cases, people worked years of their lives on it. Like in Batgirl, that's like a good two years of yeah. pre-production and production. Right. And it's just gone. Yeah. Which is, by the way, I we haven't been doing a ton of editorializing. This is, I mean, this is disgusting that this is happening. Like, it makes financial and business sense, and it's right. not, like, illegal or anything like that. But it's, like, the destruction of art for the purposes of finding cost savings, you know, is is as antithetical to creating art and entertainment as, you know, as anything I think I've ever really seen. Um, but I still just want to dissect all of this because like, I just want to know what the thinking is, you know, like I want to know the, the strategy and I don't know if a, 
coherent strategy post these cuts has really congealed. And also, they've lost about $20 billion in market cap since all this stuff started happening. Correct. Because uh, while Batgirl, uh, cutting Batgirl off sounded good in the same way that Project Popcorn sounded good on paper. Right. Cutting Batgirl off has been a, a clear marker of not only, hey, creatives, your projects may not you know, see the light of day if you right. work with us. But also, uh, Leslie Grace uh, is a Latina access. Right. And uh, the optics of it, and at the same time, The Flash, uh, Ezra Miller mm. has been carrying on for some time now doing all sorts of nonsense. Yeah. But The Flash <laughs> is still moving forward. Right. And so the 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 look is not great canceling the movie starring the Latina actress and saying in an investor's call that you're only going to put out movies that you believe in. Right. Um, While people are wondering like, why is the flash still moving forward? Mm -hmm. And the larger guest Boris Kitt sort of tweeted about this. This is not in a, a particular story that he wrote, but that they don't necessarily have the money to do anything else with the flash. Like they don't have the money to reshoot part of the flash with a different actor. Right. Um, And they don't like, and they can't just kill it entirely because they've already spent, you know, 150 million, 200 million on the huge sunk cost. Yeah. Right. So for them, and apparently it's testing well. So for them, it's like, I mean, let's just get it out there. Let's let's hold fast to date. Let's get it out there right. and try to deal with this. Yeah. Let's like, see what happens when it gets out there. Right. Yeah. Because at the very least, we can make some money on it. Yep. And that's where sort of uh, Zaslav has like he he has moved into a couple of main pillars that he cares about. Yeah. Discovery is fine. It's cheap. It does what it does. Cool. Yep. HBO, he apparently believes heavily in right. as sort of a key part of the brand. So HBO's uh, boss, Casey Bloys, re-upped with the company. He seems to have full trust. HBO continues on untouched for the most part right. uh, and house of dragon which was their uh, doing well right the Seems. game of the thrones uh prequel series mm-hmm. did very well yep um so that works for Pe- them people forget like just a quick note on house of dragon because I, I i was guilty of this too you have such blinders for i think the last couple seasons of game of thrones and you're like god I mean, those two showrunners really fucked it up for everybody. They want they they made two bad seasons of your favorite show, and then they wanted to make a, a show about how the Confederacy won. And it's like you just you just have that memory of those two guys, and you kind of forget that that show was a fucking banger for a long time, and they kind of recreated the magic with House of Dragon. Like it's probably too early to say for sure. But, you know, it's like, yeah, no, they got it. Like, that that world is strong. Like, George R. R. Martin shit's pretty good. 
Yeah, and most like once you once you've reached a certain number of viewers or stuff and a certain yeah. amount of popularity, people will at least turn tune in. Yep. Like it yep. behooves you to be to have quality, to build trust because trust is ultimately like the biggest like like the Marvel Cinematic Universe uh in the past has relied largely on the trust like hey, we'll put anything out doesn't matter what it is. Mm-hmm. It'll be at least enjoyable. Right. So just come and watch it. And that's that's born on trust. That's like, oh, I remember that the past stuff has been good, so I will get my butt in the seat and pay for mm-hmm. what's coming next. Yeah. And so they lost, at least on, on Game of Thrones, that trust at the end. But the audience was huge. Yeah, and they just want to know that when they come back, it'll be good again. Right. Yep. That's it. Yeah. Um, so HBO untouched doing quite well. Yeah. Um, and on the film side, uh, Zaslav is going in the opposite direction. Right. From Kilar in that he believes theatrical, like the old full windows, which is uh, you had a, a lengthy theatrical window. And then it ended up on premium video on demand. So this is where you can uh, rent it or, or buy it for an excessive amount. And then eventually it ends up on HBO Max after right. premium video on demand. Right. And so he wants to go back to, to the old movie making business. And yeah. f- the clear signals are uh, we're go big or go home. Yes. Which is very much the Disney model. Mm -hmm. And it's worth noting that he has Disney's old uh, film chief, Alan Horn, there. And Disney's former CEO, uh, Robert Iger, Mm -hmm. as a consultant. So Alan Horn is working for the company directly. Uh, Robert Iger was a consultant for Zaslav. And... So it seems what he wants Warner Brothers to be on the, the, the Warner side is Disney. You put out the hits. I don't want to see anything that is not necessarily a hit. Right. So um, he also wants DC Films to be like a major pillar of the company, of the Warner side. Um, that has been historically uneven. Uh-huh. Uh, they are looking for their Kevin Feige-like figure. Again, this is their words, apparently. Yep. yep. Um, because, again, he's been consulting with Iger, who put Feige in, in that position. And uh, there was a story last night that they may have found their guy. It's not official yet. It's Dan Lin, who's produced, like, uh, both It movies and all of the Lego movies, uh, who seems to have been a, a decent like a good genre producer across yeah. his career. Sure. Uh, but also uh, apparently a decent DC comics fan. Right. Like not enough to, to fully fanboy out. Uh, but you know, a good producer, he yeah. gets the movies out on time. They're profitable. That's the kind of thing that you need. That's what they want. Right. Um, but they want to only put out, Big movies that make big money. Yeah, they just want they just want all bangers. They want to really create. It seems like 
the MCU. I mean, the MCU for 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 better or worse, and I think it's been a lot worse lately. But they still essentially do the thing that that I think DC is wanting at this point. Correct. Uh, yeah. Like they they want. DC has a lot of good stuff. Like Peacemaker is great. Yes. Um, the Harley Quinn show is great. Yeah. Um, like they do good stuff. Yeah. But there's no overall brand trust. No. Like if you like Joker or if you like mm-hmm. uh, Peacemaker, those that that love doesn't connect up. Yeah. And you need that in order to get that MCU. Like if we put a movie out, everyone will watch it. Right. And they, they definitely want that. Yeah. So, and they need a plan. Yeah. Cause uh, that's, I, that, cause that's what it feels like is, is missing. I mean, it's like, yeah, the plan is essentially no plan for discovery stuff. I mean, it's just doing what they had, had have been doing, which is, providing tons of, of really inexpensive content that people just gobble up. Yes, I agree. It sounds like for HBO, it's more or less more of the same, but for DC stuff, which is like obviously a huge part of it. And it feels like they don't want to give up on it yet. Although it's been very uneven. I still don't get a sense of like a unified plan. And I don't even know if like, that's the play, right? I mean, it's like the Batman kind of exists in its own world it feels like joker kind of exists in its own world so they went from having a bunch of stuff that they desperately wanted to be connected like the mcu to uh out of basically necessity (laughs) business necessity stuff that is essentially separate and distinct from one another which like in a way i do think has been Nice. It's been kind of a nice departure from the MCU just to go see the Batman and not kind of worry for the entire two and a half hour runtime that like I've got to be paying attention to all the other, you know, is Superman going to show up and oh my God, it's Henry Cavill. Like, (laughs) you know, it's like it, I'm, I'm relieved in a sense, even if I don't like Joker, which I didn't, I am relieved in a sense that I don't necessarily have to keep all this shit straight in my head. So do they lean into that? Or do you think that this new kind of Kevin Feige, uh, you know, stand in is going to try to go that direction again? Uh, They're they're, I think they're going to go for a connected universe. So I I, I think they will. uh, I was saying on Twitter, they'll put Joker and the Batman in like, you know, another label to note that uh, this is our our artisanal brand, like Elseworlds, Black Label, whatever you want to call it. Like, they'll be like, that stuff is over there and we're still going to keep making it. We still love those guys because they make a shit ton of money. (laughs) Yeah. But we are going to do that. Like they are, they're definitely going to do the universe thing because it's profitable. It's, it's it's just profitable because again, like, you watch the Batman and you don't have to worry about the other stuff, mm-hmm. but from a business side, studios want you to worry. They want you to, <laughs> to have that desire that you have to go out and watch the, like if you watch X, you have to watch Y and Z as well. Yeah. Like if they, they don't want you to just watch X and then X two, they want you to watch 
X, Y, Z, X2, Y, Z, yeah. you know, all that again. Um, and I mean, I guess I should correct myself a little bit. It's not that they're not doing this at all with the Batman. I mean, they've got the, this, you know, I don't know what the status of it is at this point, but a, 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 a show on HBO Max that's going to be focused on uh, Colin, Fer- uh, Colin Firth. No, Colin Farrell's <laughs> Penguin, Penguin character. Um, like it's, they are planting some seeds there. It's just not as, it's just not as obvious. Yeah. And, and, and they also had a Gotham show that is, uh, like a Gotham. It was supposed to be Gotham PD. It might be something else now. Um, that's all under Reeves who actually re-signed with the company, uh, for another deal. Um, so he gets his own like bat universe to play with. Yeah. Um, but the original plan, uh, and theoretically, since the flash is still going forward, uh, is that the flash would act as sort of a soft reboot with Michael Keaton, apparently signing on as their Batman. It has been described rumored as sort of a Nick Fury esque, like he was going to be their Batman, sort of an elder statesman, for that universe, replacing Ben Affleck. Kind of a dope idea. Like, as someone who uh, grew up thinking Michael Keaton was the, the definitive Batman, I, I, I that does appeal to me, personally. Yeah. So, he is in, uh, he's a major part of Flash. Yeah. And he was in Batgirl yeah. as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that was sort of the, the, the sort of connected up plan there. Uh, but since they moved movies around, they brought Ben Affleck back. Apparently (laughs) they, so wild to me, uh, for, uh, for Aquaman. So Aquaman and the lost kingdom was also apparently supposed to have, uh, Michael Keaton in like a quick cameo. Yeah. Uh, and the word is that they tested it and audiences were kind of confused because they hadn't seen the flash yet. Right. Uh, so for them, Batman was technically Ben Affleck in that, you know, in that universe. So they were like, uh, why is Michael Keaton here? Right. So Ben Affleck is now uh, back again. Oh, so weird. Uh, in the suit uh, for whatever brief cameo that they're having for Aquaman. Which um, is now not coming out until next year. Next um, year. So, so. So Aquaman was Christmas of this year. Yep. First. Then it got moved to March. Right. And now it has gotten moved to Christmas of next year. Right. Which is honestly a, like it's where the first Aquaman staked his claim and made yep. a Billy. So they want to repeat that. Um, it's I don't think there's another movie, another major movie. There was supposed to be a Star Wars movie there, but I don't think that's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's a good spot for them. Yeah. Uh, even better, Shazam, Fear of the Gods was supposed to. So that moved from, I want to say, April to June to July and then <laughs> uh, to March and then back to uh, December up, up against Avatar 2. Yep. So that luckily gets back into quarter one of 2023, not 
being sent out to die. Because again, uh, Warner can't send out movies to die anymore. Right. It needs hits. It yep. needs Black Adam to hit yeah. to make any sort of money. Good bet that it will because it's The Rock. He he makes a lot of profitable movies. Yeah, so. like he'll make profit. Uh, I mean, it looks decent, but it looks I, fine. Yeah, sure, it's, it's fine. Um, <laughs> and it's not like there's no, there's much out. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, That's so true. But, yeah. So, like DC is a very big part of that, but then of course there's still the Warner, the rest of Warner Brothers, like. What are they spending money on? Right. Um, and there's a lot of questions about that. If the if the remit is go big or go home, do you end up being purely IP driven like Disney is, mm-hmm. even though Disney has Searchlight, which still does their their Oscar bait movies? Is right. that stuff that you care about anymore? Um, because dramas win awards they don't necessarily make box office sense. Right. Yeah. Um, especially not anymore. And there not was anymore. a recent clip of Matt Damon uh, out there explaining why that is the case. And and the thing is uh, not only did they make money at the box office, but people used to buy DVDs and Blu-rays. Yep. They don't do that anymore. Nope. So that additional revenue stream for every movie is just gone. It's just gone. Yep. Um, now they 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 probably at best get paid a lump sum to be on some streaming place, and that's all the money they see. Yep. Um, well, so, so what? I mean, we there's there's all the you know the t the TV stations that um, you know TV networks that that Warner Discovery owns. There's sports content. There's wrestling content. There's there's cartoons. Of, of course, we've talked about how there has been a huge, um, just you know, uh, reaping of of those properties. Yeah. So they've they've gutted cartoons, and they've said openly that they do not feel that they are in the kids and family business anymore. Right. Um, which is a shame be, in yeah. a way because. You know, especially with DC and, you know, some others that like there and and just kind of the legacy of Cartoon Network. I do think there are inroads to get to a place where that stuff could be good for them again. But they've essentially just decided no. And it's their it's their prerogative, right? Like if they don't see an inroads there, then it's I guess it is better to just retreat, cut it off and figure it out. But it's a big shame for the creators that have done a lot of good work for uh cartoon network and some of the other Warner discovery uh, networks for the past, you know, while. Right. And, and it's branding. Like yeah, you don't, yeah, yeah. you don't like you, you've cut off an entire Scoob movie, right? Like right. you, they were making that Scoob movie because you own Scooby-Doo, right? That's a brand that you want to continue making money in terms of merchandise, in terms of, name recognition. So you have to have something out there. Right. Even if it doesn't make money right then and there. And that's, that's part of the problem. Again, they're cost cutting so heavily. Yeah. Because they need to Mm -hmm. like, they really do need to in terms of a business sense, but it's, it's hurting the brand like Warner 
part of the way Warner Brothers worked was Warner Brothers was one of those older, austere studios. Like it was the Warner Brothers brand was important. It was meaningful. It made good artistic movies in addition to all of the branding stuff on the side. And they lost a little bit of that with Kilar because he wanted to focus on streaming. Uh, And he actually, like Christopher Nolan, used to be Warner Brothers' boy. Yeah. And he left them over Project Popcorn. Yep. Um, and now you have all of this other stuff where you're cutting off movies and you're, you're, you're swinging over towards at least that's what you're saying, go big or go home. And a lot of filmmakers, actors are looking and like, well, do I want to end up over there? Like, are they even going to take my calls? Yeah. Um, are, are they, they going to, are they going to yeet my fucking film into the garbage after it's done? I mean, right. it's like, it's a real question. I mean, I, we can, we can speculate on the likelihood of that, which I think is fairly low after August, but, um, but I think it's still probably a question in the back of these people's minds. Yeah. And, and there's a question of, of is, does Zazlav even want that? Right. Um, Overall, there's also uh, there was a Daily Beast article about uh, uh, many of the people that were fired. Yeah, uh, were in spaces and divisions that were a little bit more diverse. Yep, and uh, there has been worry that there is a shift towards. Uh, there was also a Puck News story that one of the movies that he has greenlit. Uh, were it's like a, a drama with De Niro, but it's a drama from one of Zaslav's like pals, ah. like a movie that could not, they, they had been trying to shop around for a very long time. And now that Zaslav owns a movie studio, that's greenlit. Right. So there's, there's also the worry of like, is this just going to be old, old Hollywood style cronyism? Mm-hmm. And getting rid of a bunch of diverse folks. And, and uh, there's also the worry about the shift in CNN because Warner owns CNN. Uh, right. So Warner Bros. Discovery has CNN. Uh, Brian Stelter has already been canned. He had his show. Uh, there have been scuttles of sort of moving back to the center, quote unquote. Yes. In yes. both CNN and general programming. Um, and so there's a lot of like, how's that going to shake out? Yeah. Um, so yeah. And that's why it's loose. That's why it's losing all of the, this, this market cap because there's no clear plan and all people are seeing is cuts and the cuts may make sense inside to Zaslav and they may make some business sense. Right. But in terms of being a premium content, creator don't necessarily make sense. Right. I, there, there's something to the timing of it too, because like David Zaslav could have taken this year and basically just said, okay, like we got a bunch of stuff that's in the can. We've got a bunch of stuff that we can release. Let's, you know, let's see how it does. And then we can make all these cuts in 2023. 
But uh, to me, when I see all these cuts being made now and the market cap getting hit like it is, I think a lot of people are going like, ooh, the market cap, 20 million, 20 billion in loss. What a uh, what a uh, what a referendum on this guy's ideas, except the fact that we're basically in a pre-recession, probably headed into a recession. This guy can hand wave it off as going like, yeah, we lost 20 billion in market cap because we're in a fucking recession. And then basically just do whatever the fuck he wants next year. So yeah. like, and I think, I think a lot of people are kind of looking at this, like, Oh, this dude's in trouble. And I'm like, no, he's, he's not like, this is, you know, I, I don't hear good things about this dude on a personal level, but from a cold, cold, and I mean, really cold business sense. He's, he's not, he's not an idiot. He's, he's doing, something right now that I think does make a twisted kind of sense. If you understand the people he's trying to impress. Yeah. And and speaking to like the recession thing, not only the recession, but also sort of a streaming realignment. A lot of people were throwing a lot of money at streaming. Yes. Those times have uh, tapered off. Netflix yeah. is tightening up um, its belt. And in fact, you're seeing some of that same, can we get more stuff for cheaper in the wake of the squid game success? Right. Um, to the point where like Neil Gaiman, the the Sandman is out on Netflix and it's yeah. doing very well for the numbers, but you still have Neil Gaiman being like, yeah, like cheerleading know. and being like, I don't know if we're going to get, <laughs> I like, know it's, it's good enough. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a very expensive show. Yeah. Uh, and it did very well, but I don't know if it's doing well enough for Netflix Yep. to keep spending. So like Netflix is tightening up. It's canceled a bunch of shows. Um, Bob Chapek over at Disney is probably also like they have their hands in so many different divisions yeah. and so many different pies that they don't have to go as hard. And it helps from a front facing standpoint mm -hmm. that Marvel and star Wars are not going to be touched. Right. So their cancellations in terms of like Disney plus originals, if they happen will be stuff that most people probably didn't know about. Uh huh. Yeah. So, so yeah. like they, they can cancel a show and be like, there, there's not going to be a THR or variety story about uh -uh. it. No. And even in terms of the, uh, we're getting rid of uh, any sort of uh, diverse workforce or anything like that. Mm. They're not going to get hit with that as hard. Right. Because again, Marvel and Star Wars are all in on reaching every demographic with those brands Right. And they're not going to get touched. Right. So like Chapek is going to be doing the same thing over at Disney. Um, NBC universal uh, actually hasn't spent a ton on Peacock. Uh, right. They haven't really had to worry <laughs> you know, about it. You know it. what, Mike? It shows. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'll, just, I'll just say that as a subscriber to all of these, yeah, it looks like they've spent about 10 bucks on Peacock. I'll say yeah. that. Um, Peacock is very much their, their uh, and they've said this in investor calls, like Peacock is their side hustle. Yeah. They yep. still believe in their linear TV, their normal movie business. 
Peacock is just, hey, if it goes that way, we have a streaming service. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And they're putting, you know, sports on there and they got Premier League soccer, stuff like that. Yep. Amazon has more money than God. Yep. They don't fucking care. They don't care. Um, like, they just need Lord of the Rings to hit. Yep. Um, and even if it doesn't, I think they still have to, under the deal, produce like two seasons of it. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, Embracer Group gets it. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, and then, you know, you got like Paramount, who is fine. Yeah. Uh, like they're they're trying to they're trying to find their their IP pillars. Yeah. So uh, Ninja Turtles is getting more stuff. Star Trek. They've built out a, a business that's like, let's do one Star Trek show at a time. And yep. once one ends, another picks up. Yep. So they, so you, you've just got a constant grip. Right. And Trek. so they're trying to find their other stuff to do that as well. Yeah. Like everyone is trying to find their thing. Content spending is going down recessionary. You're already cutting heads. Mm-hmm. Um, oddly enough for Zaslav, I, I assumed very much so that they were going to get out of uh, gaming yeah. for the same reason that AT&T got out of content creation period. Like it just wasn't a side of the company that is profitable, but they just didn't want to be in. Right. Um, but uh, Steven Totilio apparently talked with David Haddad who is the current boss of Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment, and he says that they're fine, which probably makes sense. David Haddad is the same kind of business guy as David Zaslav. Um, There is a reason um, that... uh, So Haddad took over, I forget the exact year, but I think Arkham Knight was coming out either that year or the next year. And since then, outside of NetherRealm, Warner Brothers Interactive's productions have been soft or non-existent. Yeah. Like, Rock City has been wandering in the weeds for years now. Um, but Haddad is apparently, like, the previous guy was a creative guy. Haddad is a business guy. Like, I want it cheap. I want it to get it out there to service the brands. That's it. Yep. Um, and I guess that is a thing that works out and it does help that they release Lego, uh, star Wars, the Skywalker saga, yeah, which did very well. Like, uh, again, that's another one of those things where not a lot of people realize how successful something is. Sure. Uh, Lego Skywalker saga sold very well. It's, it's yeah. pretty high up on NBT right now. So I, I'm sure that. Uh, Haddad was able to make the case like, look, we have delivered uh, success with Lego Star Wars. Netherrealm moves from strength to strength, and they keep up Mortal Kombat, which is a very good brand for you. Yes. Um, Because there's also another Mortal Kombat movie. They do Mortal Kombat animated stuff. Um, So I I assume that they were going to keep Netherrealm regardless. But able to make the case like, Hey, we got Hogwarts coming. We got Gotham Knights. That's Batman. Like 
we're, we're going to make you money. Don't worry about us. Right. And according to the interview with Haddad and Tatilia, uh, they're fine. Yeah. So uh, surprising, but also like, okay, I get it. I, Super I get surprising. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess we'll see how Gotham Knights goes and, you know, like there's, <laughs> there's like a lot to – there's a lot to look at there. There's a lot to look at with the uh, the Suicide Squad game and and all that stuff. I think I it, to me it feels like there's a lot riding on that, but maybe it's not quite quite that way. Um, it feels to me because again, like uh, so, Iger got rid of Disney Interactive. They right. weren't non profitable, right? They just weren't profitable enough enough. For Disney to be like, why they like it, it came to head that Disney was like, why are we doing this internally right. when we can just license out the properties to anybody and make money and not have to have <laughs> all these people on payroll? Yeah, not have any overhead to deal with it, really. Yeah, right. So I, I feel like Warner Brothers Interactive will fall on that somewhere. Right. They got to cut something, I, I, I think. And I feel right. like. Gotham Knights, like Warner Brothers Montreal, probably rides on Gotham Knights. Yeah. And. Yeah, boy. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I don't know about it. I don't know about it. We'll see. <laughs> like, I'm going to we'll play it. I'm going to play it because, I mean, they've uh, that that series, that franchise has earned enough goodwill with me that that I'll do it. Although most of that goodwill was uh, earned with the very first game and has kind of tapered off with every and, single. And Gotham Knights entry. isn't even, and they, they, they make this point. Gotham Knights is not actually an Arkham game. No, no. Suicide they, squad they is the Arkham game. is the Arkham game, which is so wild to me. So yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a branding mess. It's kind of, it's kind of a lot, but I guess we'll, we'll find out soon enough. Uh, even the third week of October or something. So, um, yeah, yeah pretty wild. So again, there, there's a lot of realignment, but there's not, uh, other than certain divisions continuing on, there's not a lot of full understanding, right? Where Warner brothers discovery is going. Correct. And in the meantime, the stories that people have to report aren't great. Nope, they don't seem like, good. Just from uh, a creative standpoint, those folks are pissed. Yeah. Um, from uh, executive and also somewhat a diversity standpoint, uh, it's just not looking good optically. Right. But, you know, maybe Zaslav doesn't care. He probably doesn't. He's definitely a, a cold money guy. Yeah. And he's getting paid. Yep. And Discovery is working well. And he can mm -hmm. make the case to shareholders, look, I can make this whole company run like Discovery. Yep. I can uh, make I can make the tough cuts. I can stand in there, take these hits. I can do the stuff we got to do to get to, you know, uh, the next level and uh, yeah, yeah, the tactics are uh, disgusting in, in a, in a big way, but, right. uh, but they're going to impress the people he's trying to impress. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's uh, uh, he's not going anywhere. That's nope. like, like uh, for, for a while there, like uh, Chapek is also a business guy yeah. uh, over at Disney. There was thoughts that 
he is also unpopular. There were thoughts that he wasn't going to get re-upped. I think right. he got re-upped for another three years. Yeah. Um, some of that is the the board being like, we want to show that we have confidence in him. Like we don't yeah. want to look like the company's in shambles. Right. Um, but also some of that is that they know that he will make money. Mm-hmm. Question mark. You know. Question mark. Yeah. <laughs> Well, this is this is one of those stories that like it's got a million layers to it. We tried to unpack about fifteen of them, and I think you did a good job. Thank you. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. We're gonna see how this shakes out. I mean, I I think you know we're probably done with the huge cuts in in the well. I mean, to some extent. I mean, I think a lot of the dramatic stuff we've seen in August. Yeah, I think we're so content. Cuts, I think, are mostly, mostly done. done. Yeah. Other than like pre-production stuff that was like working on in the background that we don't, you know, right. that they're just saying that's. But uh, personnel cuts are probably going to continue for they're quite a while. Yeah. Um, just in any merger, you're going to have redundancies yep. right off the bat. Uh, but also, uh, again, Zaslav likes to run a leaner company, so he's probably looking at some divisions and being like, I don't know why i need you here right yep so that'll continue uh the story before i want to say bloomberg said that would keep going into like uh thanksgiving at least so well uh we will definitely have you back if uh if more happens here um and obviously the uh the m a wheels keep spinning throughout multiple industries that we cover so we'll probably uh, be chatting again soon about stuff like this. But uh, Mike, thanks for stopping by and uh, and unpacking a lot with me. I appreciate it. Would you say thanks for the knowledge? I would, and you're welcome. <laughs>since we had such a long conversation with Mike, we're going to try to get through some of the other stuff that happened this week in relatively short fashion, but a lot happened. So let's catch up with it. Uh, Gamescom happened. A lot of stuff happened on opening night that was hosted by Jeff Keighley. Of course, he hosts everything. Let's go through the highlights. We saw the game everywhere, which had been announced before uh, as uh, former folks that made Grand Theft Auto 4 and Red Dead Redemption moved on to a new studio. They're making a game that you can basically do anything in. It looks like we saw racing and shooting, platforming, some kind of second life looking uh, simulation stuff. So, hey, like. That's that's all cool. There were rumors that this was a crypto enabled NFT game. They've refuted that. But, you know, when there's smoke, there's fire. They've also said that they're not uh, out of the business of doing those things in the future. So, you know, take that how you will. Uh, we saw a, a, a trailer for Dune Awakening. That is from Level Infinite. If you don't know who Level Infinite is, surprise, it's Tencent. Because they, they just renamed their publishing label Level Infinite for reasons that I don't know. I could speculate on, but I suppose it would be maybe a conflict of interest or, um, I don't know, a possible ethical breach if I did that. Anyway, I'll just say that Dune Awakening, I, I don't know. We didn't see much. We saw a bunch of sandworms. That's about it. 
A new DualSense controller called the DualSense Edge was announced, which is pretty exciting for folks that like the Xbox Elite controller, which is a pricey $180 controller. But, you know, it's got, you know, customizable sticks. It's got more uh, more haptic feedback. It's got more it's got trigger locks. It's got some really customizable stuff. It's pretty neat. Uh, We don't know the price yet because they just haven't announced it could be in that 180 range could be cheaper could be uh more expensive we'll I'll I'll discuss in a moment why it could be more expensive that's a little that's what we call in the biz a teaser uh we saw some new stuff from Callisto Protocol you know the folks that are making uh that are making that space horror game that looks a lot like Dead Space cuz they're ex Dead Space people uh I liked this better the first time they showed it without gameplay Sorry, I just thought that stuff that they showed in the gameplay stuff was not very good, but I'm willing to be wrong. Uh, Moving Out is getting a sequel called Moving Out 2. Hell yeah, Uh, there are characters in wheelchairs in this one. Uh, They were in Moving Out as well. I'll just say I think it's great that they put characters in wheelchairs in Moving Out, but if you ever ask me to help you move, um, it's one of the biggest mistakes you could possibly make. Um, Lords of the Fallen is getting a sequel called Lords of the Fallen. It's not called Lords of the Fallen 2. They're just dropping the two. Okay. Uh, they they showed some stuff from New Tales of the Borderlands. Randy Pitchford was there. Woof. Yikes. Oh, no. We saw some new uh, uh, Sonic Frontiers footage in a trailer. It's coming out on November 8th, 2022. So that is interesting. Uh, there's a game called Under the Waves, which is a Quantic Dream joint that's still led by David Cage, that that studio. It's coming out in 2023. We saw some footage of Goat Simulator 3. Yes, that's correct. There is no Goat Simulator 2. They just went straight to 3. Uh, and there's, you know, it's a bunch of chaos that's happening. If you play Goat Simulator, you know what to expect. We saw some footage from uh, Return to Monkey Island. That's coming out on September 19th. That is so, so, so soon. Uh, we saw uh, a game called uh, Moonbreaker, which is basically a cool MOBA that's hitting early access on September 29th. It is uh, a, a game made by the folks that made Subnautica, and it's a game where you can basically have figurines on a table that you paint. They're kind of static and really cool and intricate. I think it's a really interesting game gameplay uh wrinkle that i'm hoping uh is as cool as it looks uh we saw this was my favorite trailer this is my favorite trailer coming up we saw lies of p it's such a terrible name for a game but it is basically a bloodborne like based on pinocchio pinocchio is in the public domain it is a wild looking action game it's coming out in 2023 actually really dug the way this looked and the way it played looks maybe a little bit less um a little bit less uh interesting than bloodborne in terms of its gameplay but it still has a lot of design stuff that i like a lot and it's just such a weird idea I'm willing to give it a uh, pretty big shot. Uh, we saw some footage at Homeworld 3, a game that Nerium is very excited about. It's coming out in the first half of 2023. Genshin Impact 3.0 got a trailer. Uh, it is, uh, it's a big game. They also uh, uh, the showed, I believe, the first major trailer for uh, Honkai Star Rail. It's an upcoming free-to-play turn-based RPG from the folks that make Genshin Impact. Looked pretty good. We saw a uh, a long boss fight 
from High on Life. It was about a five-minute clip of a boss fight from the game uh, from Squanch Games. Of course, it's Justin Roiland who uh, did uh, Rick and Morty. He was also the voice of Lemon Grab from Adventure Time. I did not like this. I thought this was a kind of a weird, controversial thing and not controversial in like the, oh my gosh, I'm clutching my pearls because Justin Roiland's saying poo-poo, doo-doo, and fuck and all that stuff. No, no, no. Controversial in the sense that they chose to show what is essentially a very dry, like Metroid Prime-like boss fight for five minutes and not show anything else. Now, we've seen some stuff from the show floor from High on Life of Gamescom. And I'll say, I, I I don't know about this one, folks. The, the writing and the, the vibe is off. It's like kind of like Borderlands, but almost worse in a sense. I'm not feeling this one. I'm also not the biggest Rick and Morty fan in the world. So maybe this just is not my, uh, maybe, uh, maybe I'm just not the demographic. That's totally, totally, totally possible. Totally possible. Um, the Expanse, uh, the sci-fi show that is critically acclaimed, is getting a game from uh, Telltale. Yes, the brand new Telltale folks are making a game very much in the vein of the old Telltale stuff, and it's just called The Expanse. Uh, it's coming in summer 2023. Looks kind of cool. If you like the show, you should uh, have a lot here to uh, to chew on. Uh, there is another game from folks that left uh, Bethesda. Uh, it's called an ambitious new RPG, and the the game is called Word Song. It got a very cool trailer. I really like the trailer of this one. This announcement looks really creepy. It's going to be uh, a a big one, um, and it's folks that worked on a lot of uh, the Fallout series of the last fifteen years. So if you like those games, you might be really interested in following. That one, uh, Gotham Knights is coming out a week earlier than we thought. It's coming out on October 21st, and we got a new trailer for that. Showed off a lot of Harley Quinn and Clayface and other villains, um, including uh, Mr. Freeze. Okay. Uh, and also, Hideo Kojima is uh, launching a podcast, and Keeley has a segment on the show. We're not kidding about this. He's teaming with Spotify. Yep. There's a, there's a Pokemon concept car from Mini Cooper. Yep. All this stuff you can go find on a, uh, a very lengthy post from our very own Imran Khan that rounded up the entire event. Uh, the final part of the show was uh, Dead Island 2. Of course, that got leaked uh, last week and everyone was really surprised. Uh, it's basically been rebuilt from the ground up. Wow. Uh, and it's uh, finally coming out on February 3rd. We got to see some gameplay, a CG trailer, all that stuff. If you're excited about uh, Dead Island 2 coming back, then you should definitely track down those trailers and uh, and check it out. You know, on Friday morning, we had a bit of a, I won't say scare, because it's not really nothing scary about it. It's just, you know, it's business. But there was a rumor reported by GLHF, the Swedish outlet that posts through USA Today, it's basically a syndicated column, that uh, Amazon was going to make a bid for Electronic Arts Today. This was reported at about 4.30 in the morning Pacific time, so very early. And uh, by the time people were waking up, CNBC basically talked about the report on air, said the report had uh, no sources at EA that said this would be happening today. Uh, no idea about any such deal happening, blah, 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 blah. They, now, they did qualify the whole thing with today. And then USA Today posted a thing that said, hey, this didn't pass our editorial standards. We're so sorry. But the author of the uh, 
uh, piece uh, is standing by the sources saying they believe their sources and this still could happen as of recording this segment at about 122 central time on Friday. Amazon has not purchased electronic arts, although it makes sense. It does make sense. Amazon has had a really, really tough time breaking into the games business. Uh, They are having some more recent successes. New World is a a bigger success than I think people may realize. Lost Ark, also something that they brought over from Korea that has done pretty well here in the U.S. But they're still not breaking through in the industry the way that I think they would want to. So buying EA does make sense. But as of this recording on Friday afternoon, it has not happened yet. Um, and also just how this rolled out with, you know, posting it and then kind of taking it back and CNBC kind of laughing about it. Uh, I definitely want to know how that is all going to shake out. Uh, PlayStation 5's uh, price is increasing globally within, in a lot of different territories, uh, basically with no warning uh, because of an unstable global economic environment. Normally, at about this time in a console's launch cycle, we would be probably talking about when they may actually start slashing prices on their consoles. But in Canada, Mexico, Australia, China, Japan, UK, and Europe, uh, we're seeing price increases for the uh, disk drive and digital editions both, which is really shocking. But as for Xbox and Nintendo Switch, they both are saying that they're not going to increase the price of those two consoles. Uh, they're, they're both saying... That uh, even though that, you know, supply and demand continues to be an issue globally uh, for everybody, they are not going to increase prices due to uh, recession fears and things like that. So if you're in the market for a Switch or an Xbox Series X and S, uh, you're fine. Also, it should be added. Some people have noted this. uh, The Nintendo Switch kind of did get a price increase recently, except it's just with the LED version. Um, So I don't know. It's a little bit of an asterisk. It's a little bit of a cheat. But it did get a little more expensive because of that. But that's that's not really the same thing. Uh, but yeah, as uh, the global uh, e- economic climate continues to be kind of a question mark for a lot of folks, uh, this is something that we can expect to happen um, to some extent. So it's not to say that Switch or uh, Xboxes will never increase in price because of this. We'll see, just see kind of how bad it gets. But uh, for now, they're saying, no, we're not going to do that. Um, let's talk about games that are coming out this week. We have Destroy All Humans 2 Reprobed. Uh, that's basically a remaster coming to PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One and PC on August 30th. Also coming on August 30th is Tiny Ken on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. Immortality, that's a Sam Barlow joint coming to Xbox Series X and S, PC, iOS, and Android on August 30th. Uh, of course, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Cow Bunga Edition. I'm looking very much forward to that. It seems like a really nice package of nostalgic content coming to PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, Switch, and PC on August 30th. In September, we have Ooblets coming to Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. That's basically the full release of that game coming on September 1st. JoJo's Bizarre Adventure All-Star Battle R coming to PlayStation 5, 4, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, Switch, and PC on September 2nd. Hey, that's my mom's birthday. Lego Brawls coming to PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Xbox Series X and S, Xbox One, Switch, and PC on September 2nd. That's looking like uh, looking like one of those uh, brawlers. They're out there. We're getting a lot of those lately. Uh, Made in Abyss binary star falling into 
Darkness. That is the full name of game coming to PlayStation 4, Switch, and PC on September 2nd. Maybe the big one, the one a lot of folks are looking forward to for sure, is The Last of Us Part 1, PlayStation 5. That is the remake of the, of course, the very important Naughty Dog Last of Us game that has been released a couple times already, but now it has been built uh, kind of from the ground up. They've done some new texture work. They've implemented some new accessibility features. They've changed the way you aim the bow in this game uh all good things so if you've never played this this is probably the definitive way to play it and if you were just a last of us diehard uh this is probably a thing you were going to be interested in picking up uh playstation 5 only on september 2nd hey uh, i watched the first episode of house of the dragon um mike and i talked about it honestly pretty good uh, I thought the first episode was a little tough to watch, of course, but um, but yeah, it's uh, it is a uh, a good good show. Those folks who made Game of Thrones, turns out they kind of knew what they were doing. George R. R. Martin's built a, a pretty believable, interesting world. I really can't believe this because you know I was even even six months ago you could have looked me in the face and I would have said sworn up and down. I'm not going to watch this. I'm not going to care about it. But you know what? They got me back in. Uh, I'm still interested in this world and uh, whatever uh, House of the Dragon has in store for me. Of course, it's a little early to say that. I've only seen one episode. But yeah, if you've been holding off, um, maybe check it out. Just watch the pilot. There's some st- there's some tough stuff. I will say they did not like there's, there. you know, it's like with with everything going on with uh, uh, Roe v. Wade and a lot of the uh, uh, women's autonomy or pregnant people's autonomy um, and also police brutality. There's some stuff in this episode, this pilot that like isn't great. It's not a one-to-one comparison, but that stuff's kind of tough to behold at any point. And I think it's it's especially tough in uh, our climate right now. So if you're not feeling like getting into that, I totally get that. Uh, Maybe hold off or just don't worry about it at all. But if you, uh, if you can stomach it, there was some good stuff to be found in the first episode of House of the Dragon. I, uh, yeah, I will be interested to see how the rest of the show um, uh, shakes out. So, yeah, this was uh, this was news and next week's uh, this coming week's games all in one segment. That Mike interview was a lot and it was, it was super fun, but that's uh, that's going to do it for uh, for the show. So let's, you know, let's let's take it out. Let's get out of here. That is going to do it for this week's episode. I want to thank my guest, Mike Williams, for diving really deep with me on Warner Brothers Discovery. That was an awesome conversation. You can find Mike over on Twitter at Automatic Zen. He's very excited about the Wild Arms and Shadow Hearts spiritual successors that were just announced. So am I. Shadow Hearts is really underrated. You should check uh, check that series out. Uh, you can also find Mike all over our website, fanby.com, uh, writing for many things, but mostly for Final Fantasy XIV. Uh, if you want to find my producer, Paul Tamayo, you can do so over at Polymayo on Twitter. Thanks so much, Paul, for everything you do for the show. Uh, and we also have other podcasts. We have 99 Potions, an RPG discussion podcast. I'm not on that one as a regular anymore. I've just got too much other stuff to do, but that is an amazing show. Michael Hyam has taken my seat, and I think that is a, I think that's a trade-up. I just gotta be honest. That's really, really good. Uh, Imran Khan, 
Nerium. They talk about RPGs. They talk about other stuff every single week. You should definitely go check that out. And Channel F is another excellent video games discussion podcast that happens every week with Merritt K that comes out on Wednesdays. Uh, we have some great games discussion up on our network every single week. Please check it all out. Uh, and uh, yeah, if you want to find me, I've, I always forget about me, but if you want to find me, you can find me on Twitter at floppy adult. I'm locked down right now, but I'm, I might let you in. Don't worry about it. You know, I'm not I'm not that weird. I'm just, you know, I don't want to be perceived by everybody. I want to be perceived by the you know 2,500 people that follow me more or less. And that's about it. In fact, most of those I don't really want to be perceived by, but it's OK. Anyway, I don't have to get into that. Uh, but yeah, uh, this has been a great show. Great week. I hope everyone has a wonderful rest of your week and we'll be back next week. And until then. You're welcome.